Hey everyone, before we begin today's show, we just wanted to remind you that Dr. Ben's new book, Designed to Heal, is out and available for purchase. To book Dr. Ben for speaking engagements or to purchase the book, visit drbenrall.com. That's D-R-B-E-N-R-A-L-L.com. Now, Designed to Heal. I'm Dr. Ben Rall. Do you know where the most amazing doctor lives? You may be surprised to learn that it's actually right inside of you. Yet, today's healthcare model is built on a foundation that the greatest doctor instead comes in the form of pills, potions, lotions, even surgery. So listen in, because what if the majority of what you have been told about health and healing is not only wrong, but actually harmful to you? One thing is for sure, when you work with your body and not against it, you'll begin to discover that you are in fact designed to heal. Well, hello everybody and welcome to today's show, Designed to Heal. We are um, very excited today. We have a returning guest and some, some guests that we've had on over the years, it's just they have such important um, perspectives and they do such important work that uh, one show doesn't do it, do it justice. And in this case, um, there's been continued development and this is an area that is so important for us uh, as Americans, as citizens, as we deal with all of the different um, concerns happening in our country right now, both legally and from health perspectives and freedom perspectives and basic rights and uh, medical freedom, all these things that have really <clears throat> come to the forefront over the last uh, few years for sure have always been important. But so many people are becoming aware of these things. And so many of you remember our first episode <clears throat> that we had with Bobby Ann Flower Cox, an attorney in uh, the state of New York, I believe. And um, she really helped shed some light and was uh, brought the lawsuit that really exposed for a lot of people these quarantine um, you know, legislation or rules. It's such, it was so confusing the way they were doing it. I don't even know what I want to call this health department trying to basically backdoor the government and make these laws. Um, and, you know, at the time we were kind of getting ready to celebrate and celebrating the work that had been done, but there's been some recent developments. And so we're going to talk about that and some other cases that are going on and really trying to make this accessible to, to you listeners and what can you do? What do we need to understand about the legal landscape going on in this country right now as it relates to medical freedom, where this could be going down the road with censorship and passports and vaccine futures and things like that. So uh, we're really excited to have you back on today, uh, Bobby Ann. Thank you for coming. Thank you so much for having me on, Dr. Ben. It's great to be here again. Will you give us a, just a little, well, for our listeners that haven't heard you before, go back and listen, but can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, your work, and then, um, and then give us some updates, at least on that initial case that we were talking about? Yes, of course. So uh, I am an attorney here in New York State. I've been practicing law for about 25 years. And um, prior to COVID, my, my specialty was um, property tax, certiorari, and valuations, um, really working in the legal world of real estate, um, representing property owners, going up against local government um, to get more just and appropriate valuations and taxes on the properties. Um, so basically pushing pushing the local government uh, municipalities back into their place when they were overstepping and um, what I thought was injuring property owners with, with an overbearing tax. Um, so once March of 2020 came and uh, COVID-19 hit New York State, um, I kind of shifted gears because our governor, at the time it was Governor Cuomo, he all of a sudden uh, stepped into a role of uh, 
like a monarch, really, uh, where he was given this power by the New York State Legislature to issue, they called it directives. Uh, really, it was the power to make law, um, which is totally unconstitutional. The, the legislative branch of government, as per our Constitution, both state and federal, um, is the lawmaking body. So, you know, Congress at the federal level makes the laws. Um, at the state level, it's your state legislature. And uh, what we saw happen here in New York was uh, that power was delegated to the governor, one person, unchecked, right? And um, he then made a regulation through his Department of Health, um, which said that basically the Department of Health and the commissioner, who is appointed by the governor, not elected, um, could pick and choose which New Yorkers they could lock up or lock down. They could have locked you up in your home, uh, forced you to stay in your home, or they could have removed you from your home and put you into a detention facility of their choosing. You had no say. Uh, for however long they said you had no say, uh, they didn't have to prove you were sick. They didn't have to prove you were exposed to a communicable disease. Um, they could have kept you for days or weeks or months. There was no time restriction built into that regulation. Um, they could have done this to you. They could have done this to your child, your grandchild, your elderly parent, because there was no age restriction built into that regulation. Um, and it was just complete and total unfettered power, and it was completely unconstitutional. Um, when Andrew Cuomo, our, our then governor, stepped down, uh, he had a couple different scandals going on. So he stepped down in August of 2021, and our current governor, Kathy Hochul, became the governor, and um, she continued this regulation. You know, and it was brought to my attention at that time. And so, um, can I, I ask read you something regulation. about that before we go too far? I want to just, yeah. I, I want to just make a note and make a make a point. Sometimes, because it's depending on your your perspective as you're listening to this, some people we we have more of a Pollyanna uh, viewpoint. We just can't believe things like this happen. We we've haven't had to deal with things like this in the past, and we trusted. You know, it's almost as you first might be hearing this, and this is why I like having Bobby Ann on because you know you're you're just a, a, a reasonable, thoughtful, you know, uh, lay out the facts uh, kind of person, and so. It's it because it because it's easy sometimes when these things get distorted or they can get blown up and as they say sometimes truth is stranger than fiction. Like I want people to understand that nothing that you just said was an embellishment, nothing that you said was you know reach it or a stretch. And and sure we you know we we want to believe that they would never do something like that and we want to give people the benefit of the doubt and you know these kind of um, excuses that we use to let people off the hook, but. The reason to me that the case like this is so important is because we saw how fast things can get out of control. How, you know, a, a rose by any other name is a rose. A dictatorship by any other name is a dictatorship. Unjust laws, unconstitutional laws. But here, in, a, in an essence, it still happened. And and, and thank goodness for people like you and, and others that, that fight this. But we need to bring awareness to this because it is, you know, concerned citizens and, and, and people, you know, just the average American that needs to be aware of these things or we could end up 
in a place that is an unrecognizable nation. And I'm not saying that to be extreme. I'm not saying that to, it's so much, I don't know if it's easier, but it's, it's certainly smarter in health. We always talk an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Starting trying to get something dealt with when it's small and it's infancy is a lot easier than, and we saw this happen with COVID so many times. And so I just want people to understand, even though this sounds unbelievable and you might say, Hey, well, New York, they're a little crazy and whatever little things we use to kind of get our, our minds off of this. So we don't have to deal with it. We need to be um, on guard for these things in each one of our states. So I, I didn't mean to necessarily jump in there. And if you have any additional perspectives on that, please share. Yeah, I, I definitely hear where you're coming from on on your statement. I have to say that this lawsuit um, that I brought against the New York State Governor over the quarantine facilities. Now, what? what it was dubbed or has been dubbed is the quarantine camp lawsuit. Um, And so people don't want to talk about it. People don't want to believe it's true. People, like you said, say, oh, well, you know, they would never actually do it. Um, People think it's conspiracy theory. People, And I want to make very clear the regulation, you can read it yourself. The regulation is, I didn't exaggerate one iota when I just ran through what that regulation said. And in fact, I left out some details. So people can read it themselves. We, there is a website that one of the plaintiffs in the lawsuit, Uniting New York State, which is a citizens group, um, they're one of the plaintiffs and they made a web page specifically for this lawsuit so that people could go to this page and get all this information. And one of the things on that web page is a link to the judge's decision last summer. Um, and you can actually read the, ju- the judge's decision. And at the end of his decision is the regulation itself. So you can read the regulation right there in black and white um, in case you think it's being embellished in my words. Um, but the the plaintiffs, I, I'm also representing a group of New York State lawmakers. So Senator George Borrello, Assemblyman Chris Taig, Assemblyman Mike Lawler, who's now Congressman Mike Lawler, um, together with the Citizens Group Uniting New York State. And you would think that a group of New York State legislators suing the governor over unconstitutional yeah. quarantine camps would be national news. Gosh, right? you'd, you'd, you'd want to believe that. You'd want to think that that is something that the media across this country would say, wait a second here, this is insanity. People need to hear about this. Yeah. Not at all. In fact, it was the complete opposite. The mainstream media swept this lawsuit under the rug even after we won and defeated the governor last summer. Even after the governor filed an appeal this spring, of course, you know, she waited until after the elections in November because she was running for election, as was the attorney general here in New York State, Letitia James. So after they won their November elections, then they decide now to file their appeal on this case and try and overturn the judge's decision. So is that Um, where it sits right now? Is it the appeal has been filed? Has there been any decisions made on that appeal at this point? No decisions have been made, uh, but yes, they appealed uh, a few months ago. They filed their appeal, and of course, I 
uh, filed my objection and uh, we went back and forth in the court with our with our papers um, we have oral arguments coming up in September in front of the panel of judges in the appellate division here in New York State um, so that will be uh, September 13th uh, and we do have um, the new civil liberties alliance which is an organization it's Uh, based out of Washington, D.C., they did file an amicus brief in the case to support us. And, um, yeah, we are fighting them. We're back in court. You know, the governor doesn't want to give up this power and is using tax dollars to fight me to try and overturn a decision that has already said this is unconstitutional, you can't do this, you don't have the power. Um, but she doesn't care. She wants she wants the power back. What's the for the kind of just those of us again not super familiar with all the legal kind of ways. So so when they lost like you just said, and again I just always want our listeners to know this. I mean, and the ruling was on the grounds that it's unconstitutional. So it wasn't you know some technicality is my point, right? And then um, here she's now now what is her grounds for the appeal or what is her perceived grounds? What are they? filing that or what's her argument back at least at this point yeah the argument is basically um you know the same argument they had last year at the trial court level which was um no no we have the authority to make this regulation mm-hmm. we we don't you know we don't need in essence anyone's permission we don't need the legislature to give us permission we already have this power to make a regulation like this um my my strongest argument against that regulation is that it conflicts with existing New York state law. So we already have a law which is 70 years old here in New York, which says what you do when you need to forcibly quarantine someone who's sick and who's not acting in a manner to try and protect those around them. Around them. So what do they do? That law, again, it's 70 years old, that law is full of due process protection so that the government can't overstep and injure the person who has the disease. So, for example, the first thing that that law says is that the person has to actually have the disease that you are accusing them of having, right? So that would make logical sense, wouldn't it? Whereas the regulation does not have that provision in there. The regulation just says whenever the governor or the Department of Health wants to do it, right? The law, which has been around for decades, says that if a person does have a dangerous communicable disease, um, then there w- a doctor would report that to the health department and there would be a whole investigation, Right. They'd have to try to collect evidence to show not just that you have that disease, but that you're not protecting the people around you. It's like, you know, you're you're purposely trying to infect other people. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, You have the right to an attorney. You have the right to a hearing in front of a judge. And then after all of that, if the judge finds that, okay, this person is indeed infected with this disease and they are not acting in a proper manner to safeguard others around them, then the judge, the judge, not the Department of Health, the judge can issue an order of isolation or quarantine, and the person would go to a hospital 
not a facility mm. of, of the you know, Department of Health choosing. Yeah. They would go to a hospital to receive care for that disease. So it, it's very obvious that what the governor and Department of Health did was that, oh, well, that's a nice, that's a nice law, but we don't really care about the law. We're just going to make our own law, and we're going to say this is how it works if we want to forcibly quarantine someone. You can't do that. An agency cannot write a rule or a regulation that conflicts with law. It's, it's a breach of the Constitution. It's a breach of separation of powers. An age, if you think about it, it's logical, really. If you don't have to be a lawyer to think this one out, right? Because <laughs> you say to yourself, "Well, hang on, agencies are the, we don't elect the people that yeah. run agencies, right? Or work in agencies. Those are all appointed people. They're just hired government bureaucrats. And lawmakers, our senators and our assembly members, they are the ones we represent that represent us, and they are the ones that we vote for every couple of years. So those are the ones that make the laws, because if we don't like the laws that they're making, we simply vote them out. And I, right? th- and I think didn't so much of this happen during these, and it's still happening. That's why I want people to understand, you know, there's these, um, and I don't know the best way to say it. It's like these, they, they weren't these weird rules, mandates, laws, executive orders, all these different words that get thrown around that are super confusing for, for a lot of people. And you don't know what, what does that mean? And then they get these, they're these quasi, you know, is it illegal for me? I remember one time when it was first early in the pandemic and I was in a store and this lady was chasing me around telling me I needed to wear a mask. And I informed her that I don't, my wife's an attorney as well. And I was, we were, I said, it's not a law, you know, you, it's not what's happening here. And, but, but she didn't, she wasn't trying to be ridiculous. She just was, you know, listening to whatever. And somebody told her that at the meeting that day. And and that's what she thought she could say. My point in this is some of these rules, so like you're hearing this happen, you're seeing this with the, the COVID fallout lately where people are saying we, uh, jabs were never mandated. And that kind of brings us into maybe another topic or another lawsuit that you're from, that you were part of or that you've been familiar with in, in your state again, where people are saying, no, 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 nobody was ever forced to get a vaccine, to get a, a COVID jab. And, and call it what you want, right? These pseudo, these these weird ways of kind of justifying that. Well, no, you could have quit your job, dropped out of school, lost your job, you know, these types of things. Um, no, you didn't have to wear a mask in school. You just had to be, you know, six feet apart. Well, no school could accommodate that because there wasn't that big of a, you know, school system to be able to... And so it was like these, these laws that coerced you into that. Do you, what is your... I think that's sometimes how they kind of confuse or they they loopholes or I don't know what the right word is. And I know there's a case regarding the mandates in can, in, uh, in New York um, with healthcare workers. Do you mind t- talking about that? And you can finish up that other piece if you if you need to on the other case because you said it's kind of in this holding pattern. Are you confident you'll win, or are you always is, you never know? Yeah. Well, I have to say I'm yeah. confident that the the Constitution is on our side. Uh, we have the right argument um, and the right, the judge who ruled in our favor last year did the right thing. Um, here in New York State, the appellate division judges are appointed and they're appointed by the governor. So I will be arguing this case in front of a panel of judges who were appointed either by the current, <laughs> the current governor or you know, the governor just before her or possibly the one before that, you know, so it's, it's um, an uphill battle in that sense. 
Um, but you would like to think that, that judges are impartial. They are supposed to be. They're not supposed to be politicians that are advocating one way or the other. Um, they're supposed to be impartial, and they're supposed to uphold the law. Um, and so that is where my mind is, is that, you know, these judges, no matter who appointed them, um, will follow the law, will uphold the Constitution, and will do the right thing and uphold this this victory that we had last year over the governor. Um, but, yeah, to, to shift gears a little bit and talk about, um, you know, your comment on the the government now saying, oh, we, we never forced anybody yeah. to get a COVID shot, you know, um, what people need to really open their eyes to is the fact that um, there has been a very big blur on the line between government and private industry in our country. Um, it's, it's very dangerous, um, but what we saw very clearly, especially now when we look back in hindsight, um, what we saw very clearly the past three-plus years was the government saying something. Now, they didn't have to pass a law. Mm -hmm. They didn't have to make it an executive order. They simply would, and in some cases they did, yeah. you know, in some cases they did, but I'm just saying generally speaking, even if they didn't, if they just stood on television and gave a press conference and said, everybody should stand six feet apart, what you saw was, okay, well, supermarkets started marking yeah. their floors and saying, stand here, stand here, stand here, stand here, six feet apart. You saw schools starting to pull desks apart and put them six feet apart. Uh, you saw them start to put either plastic, like plexiglass, around each individual desk, um, or you saw them putting, you know, glass or separators around each individual desk. You know, so these were not necessarily laws that were passed in the states, but you saw the government give give an announcement, give a quote-unquote guideline, um, and then you saw private industry grab that and run with it. So when the government says, well, everybody should get the COVID shot, you are not going to spread this disease if you get it. You are going to save lives. You're going to keep yourself out of the hospital. You're going to keep your grandparent out of the hospital. You know, all of this, you know, whatever you want to call their, their whether you call it a guideline or an edict or whatever you want to label it, they didn't even have to pass a law. They didn't even have to sign an executive order. The private industries jumped into action and said, okay, well, you know, the governor said that, you know, we should all get the COVID shot. So everybody, you have to get it. Or even and the CDC, right? I mean, the CDC would say, hey, we didn't actually mandate it. We just gave perspective. We just gave, yeah. you know, uh, an opinion. And then, but then everybody, you know, it, it, but to this common, again, just all of us average people, which is all of us is going, I don't know, is that what is when the CDC says something, does that mean that's what we have to do? And and then, you know, school districts, yeah, you're watching people sit up there and on school boards say, well, we're just following the CDC guidelines. To your point, it was this, it was this almost this um, assumed authority or this, uh, like what they call self-censorship, a little different angle here, but, you know, where they didn't have to mandate it. They just, yeah, like you said, somebody in a position of authority gets up and says something, and it could be on either side of the aisle. I mean, frankly, you could use this argument either way, right? Um, but 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 it was, it's really concerning, just what concerned 
me, probably concerned you was how, like you said, how the, the blurred line between that one part, just how f- much people went along with it uh, just in general. But then also it was quite weird to me how fast those things seemed to be adopted that it, it almost, it, to a skeptical person, it makes you go, how are these people all reading the same book? Are they on the same page? Because this is seeming quite weird how fast this all happened, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, and there was also, in some instances, there was also money tied to it, mm. right? Schools, so, yeah, getting their money if they follow the guidelines and things. If there's money incentives, well, <laughs> yeah. that makes it an easy decision, right? Mm. So, um but yeah, what I think that people need to really think about is the, the, I guess it's, I don't really want to say they're working together, but when the government works through private industry, right, whether it's intentional that they're, you know, having backroom meetings to discuss it or whether they're not, when the government works through private industry, and, and does things to the citizenry through private industry, because the government knows they can't do it themselves directly, that's fascism, mm-hmm. right? That's, fasc- that's fascism. Yeah. And that is extremely dangerous because then you don't have the freedom you think you have mm. because you are being controlled, albeit pressured through private industry, but it's still controlling your life. And a great, right. ex- a great example, right, Bobby Ann, could be in the future here. Cause, and I, w- I try to explain this to people. Even if you were a person that had no problems with the lockdowns and you had no problems with, uh, man, you know, air quote, mandated vaccines and uh, school closures and things like this, even, for whatever reason, if that didn't bother you, I think that it should. But if it didn't, what I would just encourage a person is what about the thing, it, the, the underlying you know, thought process behind here is like you said, of fascism, which would allow the thing in the future that maybe you wildly have a problem with, but we've set that precedent that, well, this is how we do it. So if something happens in the future and they say, Hey, we don't want you in our grocery store. If you don't have X, Y, Z, or you did X, Y, Z, or something we've decided is X, Y, Z. Um, that's where you, this thing can get very real. You're not allowed in our schools. You're not allowed in our public places. You're not allowed to travel. You can't work here. And um, to think that that is an impossibility, I think would say, like you said before, you know, this benefit of the doubt, like I think we've seen this happen in other parts of the world. We've seen things happen in this country that we never thought would be possible. And I think that court case that you were going to talk about is an example of this, right? The one that you helped win the second one with the vaccinations. Um, so the, yeah, there were two, um, cases that, that uh, I was going to talk about in addition to the quarantine camp one. Um, now one of them is, is about censorship, which is a huge case because this was, um, this was a recent decision. Actually, it was released by the federal, the federal court judge who decided the case on the 4th of July, which is very interesting because, you know, the federal courts are closed on the 4th of July. Um, but he released this decision on July 4th because it was that important. I think he was sending obviously, right. A sign. Right. So, um, but the name of that case is Missouri versus Biden. And this really gets to the roots of, so it's important to, to talk about this case. This gets to the root of why we are where we are today. And the reason for that is censorship. Um, and what that case is about is, um, 
some states and then some individuals, some some high profile doctors um, sued the Biden administration saying, in essence, you guys worked in concert with private social media companies, for example, like Facebook, Twitter, that kind of thing. And you censored intentionally, purposely censored voices of people who were talking out against whatever your government narrative was. Um, so if it was, you know, about, oh, watch out, the vaccines could be dangerous. Sure. You know, those those people were being censored for saying something that, you know, how you, how dare you? How dare you contra, you know, what we are saying? We are the government, you know. So um, the... The case and at times, decided. Bobby Ann, right? At times, even I mean, like I know you gave that example, like, hey, we have concerns about the vaccine. A lot of times, these were doctors and scientists that were were actually just sharing published science, you know, like peer reviewed published science that just, but still caused could cause or or make a person you know question the the narrative so it isn't that because i i think freedom of speech is encompasses everything but i just want people to understand this wasn't even conspiracy theorists which again we still have to have the right to have conspiracy theories to to part of the part of the point here so you got two problems here of course multiple problems but you got this overlap like you're saying here where the government is is influencing and there's these conversations happening for asking them to censor certain particular voices but i want people to know in this instance it even went, in my opinion, further where they were censoring like valid science published in peer-reviewed journals simply because they didn't like the results of some of those studies. Is that is that an accurate statement? Yes. Yeah, okay. they, I, I, I honestly did not read the complaint um, and, and the, you know, the answer and the rebuttal. I didn't read the back right. and forth briefs that were filed in this case. I just know some of those voices um, and doctors are those kinds of doctors that were not, you know what I mean? The, the, the plaintiffs in there are people that are sharing yeah. science. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. And you know what? It, it's very, you know, all they do, which we've seen over and over and over again in the past three and a half years is all they do is they cry public health and safety. Yeah. You know, if you say this, which is, you know, contrary to what we are saying, you are going to destroy the confidence in, in public health and safety. And yeah. you're going to make people die. And but. it, it is your First Amendment right to speak, to question, to to post information. Now, you're not supposed to post things that are, you know, violent. Like let's mm-hmm. let's go, you know, kill everybody in mm-hmm. in uh, you know section B of the you know, of right. the stadium. You right, know, right, right, you're not right, supposed right. to do this. You're not supposed to incite violence, right? But you cannot. The government, when I say you, cannot purposely silence citizens and the evidence. So what was decided on July 4th was not the case in full, right? The case is not over. The case is still going. But what was decided was the, the plaintiff's attorneys brought um, a request or motion to the court and said, we want an injunction, which means we want to temporarily stop the Biden administration, the federal government, from working together with the private social media companies to censor people while this case continues. Because if we let them keep censoring while this case continues, we're not stopping the problem, right? Mm -hmm. So what the court decided was, okay, yes, I'm going to grant your injunction. I'm going to, I'm going to temporarily tell the Biden administration, you cannot work with, 
private social media companies to censor people. And then they gave like a couple of very narrow exceptions. Again, like with national, yeah. you know, if you're talking about national safety or national um, security. Uh, or yeah. Something. Yeah. Security really. But other than that, you cannot do this. And that is a temporary order that's in place until this case goes all the way through the court and finds its final answer. Right. So, um, of course, the Biden administration tried to ask for a stay. They then filed a motion and said, well, we want to stay that decision. You know, we, we don't want that injunction to go into place right away. Like, in essence, we want to keep censoring is what they Which said. Which the whole thing is wild. The government, I mean, if you just sit back as a eating popcorn, you go, I can't believe we have to, first of all, sue you to stop censoring, uh, you know, government to that. And then back and forth. Now you're going to fight it. You got, you know, they agreed. And now you're saying, no, 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 no. We still want to be able, it's a weird position to argue. I wouldn't want to be on the, 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 the defendant side of that, but uh, it is crazy. And so yeah, what happened with horrific. that? Yeah. What happened with that, with that stay? It's horrific. It's horrific. And so, um, you know, the, the judge said, no, we're, I, I'm mm. not granting you a stay. No, this injunction is going into place now and, you know, stop breaking the law while we continue with this case. Right. So um, it, it was a huge win. It was a, even though it's not the final resolution of the case, it, it was a huge win for free speech. Um, and, you know, and we've also seen a big shift, you know, now that Twitter is no longer right. owned uh, by by someone who is very clearly anti-free speech, um, we have seen a shift just on that pl- platform itself uh, this year where you see things that probably would have been censored heavily before are not being censored now. Well, you know, I, I don't want to reach here, but here's one other thing I would look at. Look, think about if you can rewind your mind here a few, you know, a few couple of years, this was denied by all of these people for so long. We're not doing that. There's no censorship. These conversations aren't happening. They either ignored it or they said in different ways that that's not happening, even though, and so this is somewhat an acknowledgement that that was in fact happening. We've all read, you know, the Twitter files things and some of these other ones and even some of the, you know, statements made by Zuckerberg and others that, that this was happening. And, you know, of course it's always wrapped in some thread of altruistic, help and just the good of the country or the good of others. And like you said before, safety, and you don't want to, you know, kill grandma with this bad information. They've literally turned, you know, uh, words into, into, you know, crimes, this almost thought crimes. Now, you know, this ministry of truth, if you will, that they, they literally are almost trying to create. And so, you know, we're not, but, but this is maybe the, the, as we wind down here a few minutes, I know you have one more case you want to touch on, but Do you have some words of wisdom for us? Because we're not done, right? Like, like you said, Hey, great. It's a big, big deal that the judge saw this, but this, this engine isn't slowing down, right? The fact that the Biden administration or the white house, you know, sues back or tries to appeal this, like we're, this fight is not over and we need to remain vigilant or, or it could get ugly, uglier maybe is the word. How do you, how do you look at it? What's your thoughts for us on that? Yeah, for sure. For sure. This is not something that's over. Um, and, um, yeah, that third case that, uh, I know you wanted to touch on yeah. briefly is also a New York state case. A colleague, colleague of mine had brought it last year and the judge ruled, um, in her favor this year, uh, which of course the governor is again, appealing, but that was the one that said, um, the lawsuit was at, 
the um, governor had required all healthcare workers in the state of New York to receive the COVID-19 shot. Otherwise, you know, they lost their job. Um, so the lawsuit was brought and the judge ruled uh, in, in the plaintiff's favor saying, no, you can't do this. So the, a Hochul does not, a governor does not have the power to do this. You know, separation of powers was breached, you know, same, very similar argument, argument to my quarantine lawsuit that I had won last summer. So then now, of course, the governor is appealing that. And saying, oh, no, you know, we we need this power. We didn't breach separation of powers, whatever, whatever. Well, they went to oral arguments at um, same same court system that I'm in right now, the Fourth Department Appellate Division in New York State. And, um, you know, the attorney general's office shows up and says, oh, you know what? Um, we're, we're getting rid of, we're withdrawing that regulation. You know, we, we don't need it right now, so we're just going to withdraw it. Wow. So, you know we don't need to keep fighting this out in court because we're just going to withdraw it for now. But, you know, the attorney for the plaintiff said, well, wait a second, hold on. Yeah. No, no, <laughs> you can't just withdraw it and think the case is going to be over because we have to have a settle. We have to have the court settle this argument now, right? The court has to say whether or not you, the lower court was right when they said that you breached separation of powers and you didn't have the power to do this. So that's still in limbo right okay, now. Okay. But to get to your other question of, you know, what, where do we go from here? What yeah, can we do? Yeah. And, and yeah, what's, what is, what are we looking at in the, yeah, in the near future here? What are you seeing the temperature of this? Yeah. So any of that that you have some thoughts and advice on? Yeah, absolutely. What we are doing right now is we are seeing a, a, um, I call it catch me if you can attitude. Um, and I write a, a Substack each week. Uh, if people are not familiar with Substack, it's it's a platform online. It's Substack.com. Um, if you go to that website and you just type in my name, Bobby Ann Cox, my my okay. page will come up. Um, once a week, I write an article. If you sign up, it goes automatically into your inbox. Okay. And um, I wrote an article called "Catch Me If You Can," and it is this. Very obvious. Once you hear what it is, you'll say, oh, my gosh, yeah, this is so obvious. Very obvious movement by un, um, unelected areas of our government. So, for example, the agencies, like how I'm fighting the Department of Health in New York State, whether it's Department of Health, Department of Education, Department of Transportation, whatever it is, they're unelected. So unelected agencies are doing things that they don't have the power to do. They're doing them because they're being told to do it mm -hmm. by their boss, which is the governor or at the federal level, it's the president with mm -hmm. his agencies. And their attitude is, well, you know, I know I don't really have this power. I know I can't really do this, but catch me if you can yeah. come get me, sue me. That's how you get me. Come, come sue me. And if the court after months or years of litigation and, hundreds of thousands of dollars. If the court tells me that I can't have this power, I can't do this thing that I'm doing, then all right, maybe I'll stop. Yeah. But if the court doesn't tell me no, then I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing, even though yeah. it's unconstitutional and it's hurting people and it's taking their rights away. So, you know, some people call it regulation nation. You know, some people call it the administrative state. Whatever you want to call it, it is extremely dangerous because those are not elected people. And we need to be able to elect in and out of office the people that represent what we want, who we are, and how we want our society to be run. So um, 
what we need to do yeah. is people cannot lose sight of what's going on just because no one's forcing a mask on your face right now right. or right. telling you you have to stand six feet apart or limiting the number of people at your Thanksgiving day right. celebration in your home, even though that's not staring you in the face right now, the threat is there just as much as it was two years ago or mm. three years mm. ago. People need to get involved. People need to pay attention. And when I say get involved, look, I know everybody's super busy. I know people don't have time to do, you know, volunteer and, and do sweat equity. I get that. However, if you don't have time to volunteer, whether it's for an organization that's doing good work or it's a candidate that you believe in yeah. um, who's running for office or, or is in office and is, is running for reelection, um, you know, do something as simple as, listening to this podcast mm. and then taking the link and posting it, yeah. right? Take the link and share it on your social media platforms or email it to your email, you know, to your yeah. list of email contacts or text it to your, you know, your text buddies that you text with all day long, right? So spread the word. Um, people can follow me on Twitter. I'm on Twitter. Uh, people can follow me on Substack. They can follow me on Instagram. When I post something, don't just read it. Mm. repost it, yeah. share it. We, we need to wake more people up. And the only way to do that is by word. I say word of mouth. It's, you know, social media is a very powerful word of mouth way to spread the word. We need to do this because the mainstream media is not going to do it for us. You know, and that is really good advice. And I think that one of the reasons that uh, information like yours is, is easier to share. I mean, there was definitely this time where there was people and, and we, you know, you were made to, you were, you know, you were made, to be out to be a criminal if you if you share you know and that got us into this this idea of where people are are and you're alluding to it this self self censorship which is really when they've won when you find yourself going gosh I don't know if I want to share this because what will people think or will I get you know banned or will I get you know uh, you know beaten up cancel cultured or whatever and and so what you're but but what we're what I think we're seeing is that, that there is some cracks in the in the you know, the foundation now, there are, it's, you know, like you said, the Twitter example where we've reclaimed some territory and people are feeling braver, you know, and there is power in those numbers. And so when, you know, things we couldn't talk about two or three years ago are now, you know, whether it was a lab leak concept or the vaccine doesn't stop infection or transmission. Now, you know, you were a conspiracy theorist deplatform. Now it's like, well, actually that was true. So I share, I say this because we can accelerate some of that awareness by sharing these things and everything you get from, and I always try to, whether it's the guests on this show or the people I follow and listen to, I like a wide spectrum of information, but when I am going to share stuff, I like when it's vetted and, and, and honest and, and, you know, that scientifically sound. And I know it can still be different opinions than others, but so you are one of those people that is kind of a, a voice in the wilderness, I think, where, where you can share your information and feel really, you know, good about it. Right. It's, it's, it's thoughtful. You guys are trying to do, I think, honestly, very reasonable things that I think many people are just surprised aren't even, are, are even happening. You know what I mean? What do you mean we have to fight this law or this pseudo law in, in New York about quarantine camps? This is ridiculous. Yeah, I want to support that. And the only thing I would add to what you said is also 
you can give financially to people. Um, if you can't fight, you know, you can't show up, you can't take a day off of work to go to the Capitol, you know, you can uh, share a little bit of, of, of money to people like, and I, you didn't ask me to say this, but people like Bobby Dan and her group, because I know you do this work. I think I know you do this work pro bono. You don't get paid to do this work necessarily, right? Um, Correct. From that regard. So sharing, you know, these, these groups out there, people that we love and support that are fighting the good fight, um, if you can support them financially, uh, please do that as well. And um, I, I know, unfortunately or fortunately, there'll be more updates in the future. We'll kind of, we're going to, I'm going to W as our, our, in, <laughs> our, 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 our legal expert for the show, whether you want to take that title or not. So you'll be our visiting guest to give us updates on legal matters regarding these things. But we're so thankful for, for your work, um, Bobby Ann. And um, just uh, any final, any last words for our listeners? Um, yeah, you know, thank you. I appreciate you having me on, Dr. Ben. I hope that everybody that hears this podcast, number one, shares it. Uh, don't just delete it or, or, you know, say, oh, I'll do it later. Right, right now, as soon as you finish this up, you know, take the link and for either post it on your social media or forward it. Um, yeah, definitely um, donating to organizations or lawsuits you believe in. I, I am doing this quarantine lawsuit pro bono uh, for the past year and a half. And, and all the speeches I give um, around New York State and, and, and outside the state, I go to conferences and seminars and give speeches there, um, is all pro bono. So, um, yeah, I, on my website, if you want to get more information on my work and the quarantine lawsuit, yeah. you can go to my website, which is um, www.cox. C-O-X, lawyers, with an S, dot com. Um, And I have a media page there with lots of articles and interviews and and such. Even some of my sub stacks are on there. Um, And you can see the work that I'm doing. Please stay informed. Uh, You know, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at attorney underscore Cox, C-O-X. And um, it's just so important to stay informed because by staying informed, you can do things like show up to a rally or uh, help, you know, volunteer if you have the time to volunteer at an event that's coming up um, or donate to a, a certain fund or a lawsuit that you believe in. You know, we really, it's its all hands on deck. We, we really need everyone to do something. So I, I do hope people will will be energized and be inspired to take part after this, after hearing this podcast. Well, we thank you and thank you for, uh, you know, holding on out there in, in, up there in New York and our friends. I know some of the plaintiffs out in California and that other case that are, you know, I, I have this little, uh, mixed emotions when I hear where you guys are at. I'm like, Oh man, God bless you for being there. Uh, but we need people to stay in those battle zones and, uh, and all these nations. And frankly, many times, we're just an election away from it flipping anyway for better or for worse and so uh, we need to stay vigilant if this last few years has taught us anything it's that we were too comfortable and we trusted people that we maybe uh, shouldn't have trusted and we need to reclaim that so we got to put in some work here for some time and uh, it's people like you that help us do that well and effectively so thank you so much for your time Uh, have a great rest of the day and we'll talk soon thank you so much you too If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to support the show, give us a five-star review and share it with your tribe. To learn more about Dr. Ben's work, visit AchieveWellness.clinic.